The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Thank you, Pastor Ron, for that exhortation. Good morning to all of you, and welcome to our worship service. And today in our worship service, we will observe the Lord's Supper in Holy Communion. So you might want to go ahead and find your little, your little shot glasses, and it's got the... Uh, the bread wafer at the top, and at the end of uh, uh, my message here, we will observe the Lord's Supper together. Amen. This morning, I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. This passage of Matthew depicts the Last Supper, the night that was held on the same night Jesus was betrayed. And I want to begin reading at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. I want you to notice the progression. Jesus took bread, number one. Number two, he blessed it. And number three, he broke it. And number four, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. And gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the, of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you, in my Father's kingdom. And I simply want to call this message the first communion. The first communion. You know, my mind went back to my memories of my first communion. I grew up in a mainline traditional denominational church. And every first Sunday, we observe the Lord's Supper. And I'll never forget me and my brothers how that we, we looked upon the Lord's Supper as an opportunity to get a snack because we were so hungry. Why were we hungry? Well, in the household I grew up in, on Sunday morning, you didn't eat breakfast. On Sunday morning, you got up, you got ready to make your way out of the house to get to the church on time. 
He said, a lot of people still ain't got that revelation. But my parents taught us, you don't come to the house of the Lord late. You want to be early or you want to be on time. And so since we didn't get to eat, the, we didn't get to eat breakfast, we were hungry. And during the Lord's Supper, they would be passing the bread, you know, down the aisles, on the rolls, and they'd be passing the, the wine, and then they would look at us funny because we wanted seconds. We wanted seconds because we were hungry. Now, don't get it twisted now. Even though we didn't eat breakfast at my house, we always had a big feast after church. My mother always cooked a big dinner on Sunday. But we were hungry, and we didn't want to wait. And so many times we tried to sneak and get a few more crackers than we we're supposed to out of the pan, or we tried to get more than one cup, one little thimble of uh, juice, because we were hungry. We didn't have an understanding then of the Lord's Supper. Like many people in this day and this time, they don't have an understanding of the Lord's Supper. Many people think, well, we're just snacking on a little wafer, a little bread, and going to drink a little juice, a little wine, and we think it's nothing more than a ceremony, nothing more than a ritual. But if we want to understand the Lord's Supper, we have to go back to the First Communion. Now, my memories of the First Communion wasn't too spiritual, but I trust the Lord that as I talk about the First Communion, that you will have a better spiritual understanding of what communion, what the Lord's Supper is all about. Here in our text, this is on the night that Jesus was betrayed. It was on a Tuesday evening. And Jesus is celebrating the Passover supper with his disciples. And the Bible says in verse 26, he took bread. He took bread, blessed and broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. I want you to understand why Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and then gave it to his disciples. Well, this bread was unleavened bread. In other words, this bread was bread without yeast. They were celebrating the Passover based on Exodus chapter 12. But in Exodus chapter 12, you'll find that the celebration of the Passover was also concurrent with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, God forbade that Israel would have any yeast in their homes, any leaven. Anything that would cause bread to leaven, God told them to remove it from your homes. See, we need to understand why God told them. He told the Israelites when they came out of Egypt or they were on their way out of Egypt to remove all the leaven from their homes. And see, leaven is nothing more than yeast, nothing more than baking soda. It's the property that causes bread to rise doing baking. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Lord didn't want any leaven during this celebration of the Passover 
Then one eleven using the bread during the feast of the unleavened bread. And this feast went on for seven days. The reason God didn't want any leaven in the bread is because leaven, it speaks of sin and corruption. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, a little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole lump. And so what he was showing us there is that when you have little sins in your life, you need to understand you need to get free of those little sins because those little sins can develop into big sins. As the Ecclesiastic says, it's the little foxes that destroys the vine. So leaven spoke of sin and corruption. Not only does God not want us to have sin, unrepented sin in our lives, he doesn't want it in the body. He doesn't want it in the family, the body of Christ. So this bread that Jesus, he took and he blessed it. He broke it. And the reason he blessed it is because God has commanded us to offer thanks. That's what we do when we eat, beloved. When we eat, if we're obedient believers, the first thing we need to do is give thanks. Some people say, well, uh, let's say grace. Some people say, well, let's pray over the food. Some people say, let's give thanks. But the point is this, you're acknowledging God to be the source of all sustenance. You're, you, you're acknowledging God to be the source of all the food we're provided with and all the food we eat. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he says that everything is good, nothing to be refused, if it's received with thanksgiving and in prayer. It is sanctified by prayer and thanksgiving. So when we offer thanks, we're actually sanctifying the food we eat. And this day and this time, that's a good idea with all the impurities in our food. Just look at the ingredients on anything you eat. You got words on there you can't even pronounce. And we need to pray over our food. We need to give thanks. And Jesus gave us this example. On the first, at the first communion, on the night of the Passover, the evening of the Passover, the same night he was betrayed. So he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. It's the Lord who provides for us. It's the Lord that will give to us. It's the Lord that will make a way for us. God is breaking things up in the realm of the spirit that he might distribute those things, those good things to his people. And this is the picture we see at the first communion. Then Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body. Think about that. How can a piece of flat unleavened bread broken up be the body of the Lord? Well, he broke the bread because that spoke of how his body would be broken and crucified on the cross. But how can a piece of bread be the Lord's body? Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body. Now, obviously, Jesus was speaking figuratively because it would be the fallen day that he would actually be crucified. He would actually hang on the cross. 
But why did he call this his body? We need to understand that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the bread that we eat, that cracker, that wafer, that bread, whatever it is, it represents the Lord's broken body, his crucified body that would hang on the cross. And again, when Jesus did this, he would be crucified the following day. Huh? Now, there are many, there are a couple denominations who, takes this, who take this verse literally. When Jesus said, this is my body, that's exactly what they believe. For example, there's a couple theological doctrines concerning communion, concerning the body of the Lord. One doctrine is called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is observed by the Catholic Church. In transubstantiation, the doctrine is when you partake of the bread, when you partake of the cup, which speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ, that bread and that blood is changed into the actual body of Christ. I want you to hear that. That is the doctrine of transubstantiation. That when you take this bread and you drink this cup, this bread and this cup is changed into the body of, of Jesus himself. Now the Lutheran church, on the other hand, they hold to the doctrine when it comes to communion, they hold to the doctrine of consubstantiation. Con, not trans, but consubstantiation. What is consubstantiation? Con, the doctrine of consubstantiation says that when you partake of this bread and this cup, that Jesus himself is with the bread and he's with the cup in the bread and in the cup. It says that Jesus is present in this bread and in this cup. That's consubstantiation. So the question is, what do you believe, Pastor Jerry? Well, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that when we partake of this bread and of this juice or wine, whatever the case is, these elements are representative of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. So we don't hold to transubstantiation. We don't hold to consubstantiation. But we hold to representation. Glory to God. So Jesus lives in us. Jesus lives in you. He lives in me. So I don't need to drink I don't need to eat the bread and drink the cup in communion for Jesus to be changed in me. I'm the one need to change, not Jesus being changed in me. You see, I don't need to eat the bread in the cup to feel like Jesus is with me. He is always with me. He promised never to leave me nor forsake me, even to the end of the age. So we hold to representation. So Jesus said to the disciples at the first communion, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, please notice, Jesus not only prayed over the bread, he prayed over the wine as well. 
he gave thanks for the cup. Then he said to his disciples, he said, drink from it, all of you. Some translations of the Bible render this as drink all of it. Why would Jesus give his disciples the cup and tell them to drink all of it? Well, first of all, the cup, the cup of wine represented the blood that he would shed the following day. And he told his disciples at that first communion, he says, drink all of it. In other words, don't leave one drop in the cup. Why? Because when Jesus offered himself on the cross, when Jesus died for you and he died for me, when he died on the cross, he shed all of his blood. Every drop of his blood was shed. When he was crucified, he hung on the cross from 12 noon to 3 p.m. In a world of darkness, darkness came upon the face of the earth. And what was Jesus doing during that time? Shedding every drop of his blood. So he says to us, drink all of it. And even before I understood this, I was always trying to get a second cup. But he said, drink all of it. Because the blood represents, the wine represents the blood he shed. Pastor Ron alluded to the scripture I've been using as a foundation scripture during Bible study for the last several weeks. From 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold. From the vain tradition of your fathers. Huh? But with the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, without spot and without blemish. And Jesus shed every drop of this precious blood to redeem man from sin. Glory to God. And I want you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is not like any other blood type. It's not like blood type A or O or A positive negative or O positive or negative or neither is it like blood type A or B. His blood type is precious, precious, precious blood. So he told his disciples to drink all of it, all of it. Then he wanted to explain to them, for this blood, for this is my blood of the new covenant. He's, now he's giving them wine, but he said, this is my blood. This is my blood. This is my precious blood. For this blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sin. And we know that Jesus died for the sins of the world. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus here, he is echoing the same sentiment of the father. He gave Jesus so the world would not be saved. At least those that believed in him, they would have everlasting life. And he says, this blood, this blood is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sin for many. Why many? Why is it shed for many for the, rich, for the remission of sin? Not all. God gave his son for all, but all would not receive him. All would not accept him. For those who do receive him, for those who do accept him, then his blood remits your sin. I want you to understand what remission is. Not only does the blood make an atonement, 
Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The blood not only atones for sin, the blood remits sin. In other words, regardless of how dark your past was, regardless of how vile your life was, regardless of how low you fell in life, when you came to Christ and you accepted his sacrifice on Calvary, glory to God, he remitted your sins. In other words, he totally erased them. He eradicated them. There is no remembrance in the mind of God of your past sins. My God, that's good news. That's good news. This blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Then he went on to say to his disciples, now this is still on the night of the Passover. This is still the first communion. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He instituted the first communion. So he's... He's blessed the bread. He's broken the bread, gave it to his disciples. He's lifted the cup, gave thanks for the cup, gave it to his disciples and told them, drink all of it. Then explained to them, this wine in this cup is really my blood, my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Then he explained to them in verse 29, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And guess what, beloved? His disciples was just as confused about what was going on at that first communion as me and my brothers were at our first communions. They were just as confused. How do you know they were confused? Even after Jesus died on the cross and was buried, and he rose the third day according to scripture, we find that after the resurrection, he appeared to his disciples as they assembled with him on the Mount of Olives. You find this in Acts chapter 1. And he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem and receive the promise of the Father, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. One of his disciples, one of the same ones that was at the first communion, they asked the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They asked the question because they didn't understand. He already told them. He told them at the first communion, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. And there was no cup. There was no bread when he assembled with them on, on Mount Olives. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the father's put in his own hand, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And one of the things we need to witness of is communion. I'll show you that in a moment. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even unto the other parts of the world. Glory to God. Well, his disciples didn't understand this first communion. Many believers don't understand communion. They think it's a tradition. 
They think it's a ritual. They think it's some ceremony that churches do every first Sunday. Now, one of the reasons we don't partake of or, or observe the Lord's Supper every first Sunday because we're not a traditional church. So we observed the Lord's Supper on the fifth Sunday. Now, there was a time in this church we observed the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And that's our goal, to get back to observing the Lord's Supper every Sunday, not just one time a month or one time every fifth Sunday, but every Sunday. You want a scripture for that? Acts chapter 20th, verse 7. It says when the disciple, when Paul came, and the disciples gathered together, they broke bread. On the first day of the week, they broke bread. I need you to hear this. On the first day of the week, they broke bread. And Paul preached to them. Now, we might get back to the first part of the scripture, but you probably don't want us to get back to the second part because he preached to them all night. He preached to them all day and all night. And I know you don't want to get back to that one. Huh? So, but the disciples, the point is the disciples didn't really understand what was going on at First Communion. Now, they could relate to what happened during the Passover in Exodus, you know, before Israel came out of Egypt. They can relate to that. They can relate to the unleavened bread. They can relate to a lamb in every house. They can relate to that lamb had to be slain. That lamb had to be slain uh, at twilight. In other words, as soon as the sun went down, that lamb had to be slain. The same way Jesus, he hung on the cross at twilight. And that's why there was darkness over the face of the earth. They understood that. They understood God's instructions when God said, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the lintels of the house and over the doorposts of the house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over because God brought judgment upon Egypt. He brought judgment upon Egypt that he would slay the firstborn of every man and every beast that wasn't covered by the blood. So God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. They understood that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in this day and this time, God is still bringing judgment on all the world. Not just the firstborn, to every born who's not covered by the blood. Did you hear what I said? If you're not covered by the blood, then God's bringing judgment upon you and that judgment is death. But why do you want to die when Jesus died for you? He took your place on the cross. All you have to do is believe in him. Now the disciples, once again, beloved, they really didn't understand that first communion. But undoubtedly, they had related it to Paul. And God had given Paul a revelation of what he heard about the first communion. So when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we go to, may I have a glass of water? Not a glass, just a sip of water. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul shares the revelation about communion. This is the direct revelation that Paul got from God himself. Glory to God. Take the top off for me. This is the direct revelation that God, that Paul got from God himself. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship. 
where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.